an interesting couple years. Some might say it's been good for them. I don't know many people that would say that. But, but uh, some might say there have been good things. And, and listen, we can all say, let's just be honest, we can all say that God has still been good. In the midst of all the stuff that's gone on, God is still good. It may have been a difficult time for churches. It may have been a difficult time for families. Uh, and, and some things happened. But can we change any of that? Is, is there a time machine somewhere that, that, that we can hop into and go back and, 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 and change anything that happened to us or any of the choices that we made? Not that I found. <laughs> In fact, I, I know there isn't because who's in control of time? God. And uh, he hasn't given us that power or that ability. That's it, it, one thing that, that, that with, with time, as, we, as years go by, and there are things that I wish I could go back and I could do differently. There are, there are decisions that I made that I wish I could change. And some of those things I'm ashamed of. Sin that, I, sin that I committed, walking away from God for a while, uh, uh, just, uh, just, man, I, I wish I could go back and change it, but I can't. What I can do is learn from it. The Bible, or not the Bible, there's a saying, those that do not study history shall repeat it. Because, and man, I wish I learned from other people's histories. However, many times we're all just, dense enough that we need to learn it ourselves. Now, while we can't change the past, the choices that we make today can affect our future. Today we're going to, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture where, where, where the, the prophet Elisha is, is prophesying through this, 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 uh, this king Josiah, who, by the way, is, a, is not a good king. He's an evil king. Uh, however, God's, God is using him in, in this prophecy to predict the future. Uh, and when I say predict the future, uh, let's just cover a couple things here real quickly. God is sovereign. Is that not true? We know that if something happens, it's because God has allowed it to happen. We know that, that God is the one who, who, in his foreknowledge and his election, has chosen each and every one of us. Now, when I say election, I don't mean he picks and chooses, but because he knows who would choose him, he chooses them. We, uh, but on the, uh, on, the, on the other side of that, we also have another doctrine that we all agree with, free will. You can make your own choices. And the choices, because if you could not, you would say, you just blame everything on God. Well, God chose me to do it. That's why I did it. Listen, I've learned, I've learned, and a brother, <laughs> uh, uh, somebody once told me when I asked them about something, if, if they'd be interested in doing something, they said, well, I'm 76 years old. I believe that's how old they said they were. I'm 76 years, years old, and if I didn't want to do it, you're not going to make me. Is that not true? Now, we can force our children to do things, but we come to a point in time that, that if we don't want to do something, has anybody ever tried to make an adult do something they didn't want to do? It can be difficult. Even the simplest of things can be difficult. Uh, when I was on the ambulance, uh, working, working on the ambulance or at the fire department, uh, uh, there were times 
that people would just literally play dead. They weren't hurt. They weren't sick. It was, uh, they just didn't want to do what we were asking them to do. And while they, because of what they had done, they had to go to the hospital to get checked out, and the police officers were there. And those people, they would either resist you, which was hard enough, but the cops would wrestle them and they'd fight them, or they'd play dead. <laughs> Jello man. It is impossible to, it, not impossible, it's extremely difficult to make somebody do something that they don't want to do. We have free choice. You all chose to be here this morning, did you not? What a great choice. And not because you're here listening to me, because we're, we're here. This is the beginning of the year. The choices that you make today are going to set the direction for your life. We can choose good things or we can choose bad things. But the choices that we make have consequences that affect us. And they affect others. This, this choice that, that King Josiah is given, we see that it not only affects him, but it also affects the entire nation of Israel and their history. And you say, well, but God's in control, and God, knows, God declares what's going to happen to the nation of Israel. Yes, he does, but God always works through people. God always works through people. Did God need Noah to save Noah and his family from the flood? No, but he told Noah to build an ark, did he not? So Noah was participated in the work of God. If he hadn't participated, he'd have been swimming with everybody else. Did, did God need Abraham to, to send Jesus Christ through his lineage to this earth? No, but by faith, Abraham obeyed God. Did God need the 12 disciples to tell the whole world about Jesus? No. He could have written it in the sky. He could have written it on the hearts of every human being. But God uses people. Is God using you? See, we can't do anything about the, the decisions that we made last year about whether we came to church or whether we told others about Christ or whether or not we, we obeyed God's word or even read God's word. We can't do anything about that. It's all in the past. But what we can do is in this new year, make a choice to set the direction of our life to follow and serve God. Back to Open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 13. I know we already read it through it, but we're going to go through this passage and look at a few things the Lord laid upon my heart at 3 o'clock in the morning, by the way. I, oh, by the way, before I get into reading the word and then we're going to pray, we didn't talk about birthdays this morning, did we? But there was a birthday that wasn't on the thing. Sabrina's birthday is today. And I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but her husband told me. <laughs> All right. I just want to make sure I, I just want to make sure I mention that. Yes, and Bethany. Well, her, her name was up here for everybody to see, but it's Bethany's birthday today too, and it was somebody else's birthday. Who was it? Nobody's willing to raise up their hand to get pointed out. Somebody's birthday was here. Uh, all right. That, that's all right. 
Second Kings chapter 13. It says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, wherever he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his faith and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Let's pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for your work. God, I thank you for the power of your spirit and the power of your word. And God, I, I ask this morning, Lord, that you would empty me, Lord, that you'd help me to be empty of myself, cleansed of all sin. Lord, that you'd fill me with your spirit, that you would enable me to preach your word, your truth. And God, may your spirit have your way in each and every one of our hearts. God, I want you to be glorified. God, I want you to be praised because you are worthy. God, I, I pray that if there's one here today that isn't saved, God, I, I beg of you to do a work in their heart that only you can do. And God, for your children, I pray, Lord, you'd help us. Help us, help us to be surrendered and obedient to you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Verse 14 shows us at what time this is taking place. It's the end of an era. Elisha has been the prophet for many, many, many years. Uh, he had followed Elijah. And when Elijah, if you, if you understand it, if you remember, Elijah didn't die. Elijah went up in a chariot of fire. What a way to go. Uh, to, to, be, to, be, uh, to be blessed by God and honored by God that you are one of two people in the entire history of humanity that did not suffer death. The first is Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch knew God and that he walked with God and that, that, that pleased God and that he was not for God took him. That means God came and was so pleased with Enoch's walk and relationship with him, his obedience to him, that he took him to heaven. He never suffered death. Elijah, uh, on the other hand, we don't know his beginning story, but we know the, the account, and I say story because it's not, I don't mean story, but the account of his life. Uh, but we do know that he served God, he was a prophet of God, that he, he prayed and got heard and answered. Man, he was the one who stood on the mountain and, and prayed and fire fell from heaven and, the, and, and burnt up the offering that was covered in water and even licked up all the water and won that great victory over Baal and his worshipers. He was the one who, 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 who turned Israel back to God. Before, before that had happened, he said, he, said uh, uh, he asked them, who will you serve? And the Bible says they answered not a word. But when that happened, when they saw the, the power of God and the power of prayer, they said, the Lord, he is God. Man, God blessed him so much. His, his life was powerful. And when, when the end of his life came, he didn't die. God sent a chariot of fire from heaven to pick him up and to take him up to heaven. Elisha was there when it happened. And you remember Elisha's prayer? His, his request? Give me a double portion. He wanted a double portion of what Elijah had, the spirit which Elijah had. Listen, it wasn't Elijah that, that, that brought down the fire. It wasn't Elijah uh, that, that brought down the rain or held back the rain. It wasn't Elijah that raised the, the, the woman's son from the dead. It was God who did all those things. But remember what we said before, God uses people. 
And God blessed that man, Elijah. And Elisha wanted a double portion of what Elijah had. He wanted the power of God upon his life. He, he desired to serve him. He desired to give his life for him. And do you remember what happened when Elisha, Elijah went up into heaven? The Bible says his mantle fell from that, from that chariot of fire. And Elijah picked it up. Or Elisha picked it up. I'm going to mix up the names. I apologize for that. They sound similar. It's why my wife wouldn't let me name Elijah, Elijah, and Ezra, Elisha. Anyways, as it is, I still get it mixed up. But that, that mantle fell from heaven, and Elisha picked it up, and he walked back to that river that they had just crossed. And, and they crossed on dry ground, mind you, because Elijah had, had, had split the waters. And the, he gets back to that, that, that river, and he says, Where is the Lord God of Elisha, or Elijah? I told you I was going to do it. And he took that mantle, and he struck the waters, and the waters parted, and he walked across on dry ground. God had given him the spirit, not the spirit of Elijah. He'd given him a double portion of the spirit, he, of, the, of, of God that was upon his life. He's, he, he has done, in fact, if you go back and count, including the last miracle, which takes place after his death, when, uh, when a soldier is cast on his bones, a, a dead man is cast on his bones, and the man comes back to life, he does exactly double the number of miracles that Eli that's recorded for Elijah. But beyond that, and that's not really the point of the message, he's, he's had a great ministry. And now this, even, this king has come unto him, and, and the king is... Is not a good king. In fact, if you go back a few verses, you read about him. It says in verse 10, In the thirty and seventh year of Joash, king of Judah, began, begat Jehoash, the son of Jehoaz, to reign over Israel in Samaria, and reigned sixteen years. Now, Jehoash and Joash are the same name, uh, and there are two kings, and they kind of overlap. One's king of Syria, one's king of Samaria. It can be kind of confusing, but the, the important thing is this in verse 11. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, he departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin, but walked therein. He was a wicked king. But this wicked king had seen God's hand all over Elisha, and God used Elisha. Elisha was a, a teacher. He, he, he taught men of God. He, he performed many miracles. And, and he was, listen, back then the prophet wasn't just a miracle worker. What did a prophet do? They spoke the very word of God. The Bible says in the New Testament that the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. See, when Elijah spoke and, and, and he prophesied, he wasn't just saying what he wanted to say or what he was thinking. It wasn't his opinion. It wasn't his thoughts. It wasn't what he thought might convince somebody to do something that was good. What, what, when he spoke, when he was moved by the Holy Spirit, he was speaking the very word of God. So jo Joash has seen that, even this wicked king, and he's come down to Elisha's house, and Elisha is sick. And the Bible tells us there in verse 14 that he's sick nigh unto death. This was, the, this was the illness that was going to kill him. Have you ever seen somebody so sick they were going to die? They are frail. They are weak. They, 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 can't, they can barely speak. My mom has, was in the hospital for two weeks with COVID. Uh, praise God, she is home. Uh, and the doctor said he's never seen a recovery from where she was uh, just about on the ventilator to where she, uh, he said he, was, he can't explain. He doesn't know how fast, it, how it could happen. Her answer was this, that I know how it happened. God's people were praying for me. I praise God for what happened. But listen, she's home and she's sitting on oxygen because if without it, she can't, she can't breathe. 
In fact, when they left the hospital, they hooked up the O2 tank in the car, and uh, my dad started driving home, and about 10 minutes into the ride, she's, I can't can't breathe. (gasps) They hadn't turned it on. (laughs) Now, it wasn't on purpose, but I want you to understand, she's weak. I went to visit her yesterday. She, she's, she, she couldn't even get out of her chair without getting shorter breath. She talked about climbing. Listen, she's not even nigh death. She's just recovering. Elisha is on his deathbed, and the king comes and he weeps. And do you remember that, that phrase that he mentioned? There in verse, where is it? Verse 14. It says, he wept over his face and said, oh, my father, my father. The chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He's repeating the same phrase that Elisha cried out when he saw Elijah go up into heaven. It's the very same phrase. In fact, if you go back and read it, it's exactly what he said. Listen, he understands that he's a man of God. One thing I want to point out here, even though both were men of God, even though God used them both greatly, they both had different endings in their life. One was one of honor. It would be an honor to go up in the chariot of fire. The other suffered sickness, illness, and death. Can I tell you that, that your service to God does not guarantee honor here on this earth. It does not guarantee that there's no trial here on this earth. But I can tell you, he got a welcome when he got home. Now, that's not the message. And you've got to really the, the text yet. The next verse is the text. Now, while Elisha's weak and on his deathbed and, and really just struggling, Joash is weeping over him. He knows that he's going to die. Look with me at verse 15. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king, the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon Upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. Verse 17 says, And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. So what's going on here? Well, God has given Elisha a specific message to give to Joash. It concerns the future of the people of Israel. And I'm going to explain it to you here. And then we're going to take some lessons and some thoughts that the Lord laid upon my heart as I read through it. So Israel has been attacked and abused by the nation of Syria. Uh, they, every time they go up to fight the, the nation of Syria, uh, they have been beaten and beaten and beaten and, and overwhelmed. And even though Joash is a wicked king, uh, God is going to give them a reprieve from the nation of Syria. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, the, the, what he's telling him to do is to shoot out the, out the window in the, in the direction of the east, and it, that arrow is to be the arrow of deliverance. Uh, it's to signify, uh, it's significant in the fact that it's going towards, or it's in the direction of Syria. And, and he explains it here in, in, in another verse or two, that, that, that God is going to give them victory and, and destroy the nation of Syria so they don't have to deal with them anymore. Yeah, what a, what a message. You're going to have victory. We just sing, uh, nothing is impossible if you put your trust in God. Right? Uh, we, God can do anything. God can give victory. And this was a message of victory. He should have been excited about it. He should have been hopeful about it. He should have been all in. 
I want you to, first of all, I want you to notice the, the divine direction that we see here. If you're taking notes in uh, the divine direction, you see it through 15 through verse 17. It's really simple. Uh, there are simple steps that are given. Take the bow. Put your hands upon it. Open the window. Shoot. Does any of those things sound difficult to you? No. They're all things he's probably done all his life. He, he's the king. Uh, boys back in the, that time, would, especially kings, would, uh, would, uh, young men, they would, they would learn the art of war. He went out to battle. He knew how to fire a bow. He, he, he knew how to, 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 to put, knock the arrow into the, uh, where to aim and he, uh, to hold it at the right angle. He knew all of those things he was supposed to do. Uh, uh, why is Elisha telling the king to do it? At the, at the moment, he doesn't know why. But he's still supposed to be obedient. What would have happened if he had said, no, I'm the king. That's for somebody else to do. I'd hate to find out what would happen. Simple instructions require simple obedience. Write that down. Simple instructions require simple obedience. It wasn't hard. It wasn't difficult. But it needed to be obeyed. Do you know it's, it's interesting? When I look at the, the Word of God and what the Word of God teaches us, nothing in it is really all that difficult. The instructions that God gives to us as children of God, uh, what we're supposed to do and how we're to live our lives, isn't that hard. Read your Bible. How many of you can read? And how many of you have a Bible? How difficult is it to read your Bible? It isn't difficult, but it requires simple obedience. Pray. How many of you can talk? How many of you can think? You can pray. Simple instructions require simple obedience. If he had not obeyed here in the very beginning, it was going to affect the nation of Israel. The outcome of what was going to happen here is going to affect the nation of Israel for it, not in perpetuity, but it, for years. Men and women were going to die because of what he chose to do here in this specific situation. It's the end of an era, the beginning of something. God had given him one more prophecy that he was going to show him what he was going to do, and he needed him to obey. And he did. I thank God that he obeyed. It was simple tasks, simple steps that were given to him. Notice also it was step by step. One step before the other. Before you can, before you can put your hands in the bow, first you have to take the bow. Now you say, well, that sounds like the same thing. It actually isn't. Uh, the, 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 he says take the bow. Uh, the, 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 the Hebrew word there means this, to accept it, to pick it up. Put your hands in the bow means to prepare it to get ready. So when he said put your hands in the bow, what he was really saying is knock an arrow, get it ready to shoot. Can you get a bow ready to shoot if it ain't in your hands? Can you shoot out the window unless you open it? No. Simple, simple steps, yes, but they're step by step. Our Christian life is the exact same thing. 
God gives us simple steps to follow. And many times we try to get ahead of God. I want to do this and this and this, but I haven't got those first base things down. You're never going to become a preacher if you're not reading the Bible. God's never going to call you to be a missionary. God's never going to even let you lead somebody to the Lord if you're not reading the Bible and praying. This morning I woke up to to Zeke crying at 6.30. My mom and dad had, uh, I said we were over there yesterday, they had given all the kids their Christmas presents that they weren't able to get when when, uh, my mom was in the hospital. And uh, Zeke had gotten a, a Lego vehicle. And he did a good job putting it together. Now, we didn't follow the instructions step by step, but it looked like it was supposed to look. Unfortunately, because he didn't follow the step-by-step instructions, it kept falling apart, and that's why he was crying. He didn't understand those first few pieces that you put together, everything else builds off of. And if you don't get the, that base part right, the rest of it, even, it, can, it can even look good. It isn't going to accomplish anything. It's going to crumble. Our Christian life is the same thing. There is a general will for everybody. Read your Bible, pray, tithe, worship God, love God. We, here's the problem with the mindset of many Christians. It's, I'm not going to sin. I won't do this, and that's, going, that's what God wants from me. As long as I don't lie, as long as I don't cheat, as long, there are things God doesn't want us to do. Amen? There are things that God says is sin, and we need to stay away and avoid. Let me say it again. There are, there are things that God says that are sin and we need to stay away from and avoid. We're to abstain from sin. Amen? There we go. That's better. I'm glad we all agree. There are also things that we're supposed to do. Things that, that are required of every child of God. Read your Bible. Pray. Tell others about Jesus. You know what happens when we don't do what we're supposed to do? That's still sin. We think, well, you know, I'll leave that for somebody else to do. It's not really me. I'm just okay with where I'm at. Guess what? That's sin. When's the last time you told somebody about Christ? Well, I'm not really who I am. If you're a child of God, that's who God has made you to be. And you say, well, I'm just not ready. Maybe that's not because you're not prepared for it. God will not leave you lacking in what you need as long as you follow those simple steps. It is not difficult. We are to come to church to worship. But how many people out there who claim to be Christians, and, and listen, I'm not talking about the ones that are sick. I'm not talking about the ones who are being home, that are home trying to make sure that they're not passing COVID to other people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who choose to sit in front of their, their, their TV screen like Amanda right now. I'm just kidding. I, I, Amanda's watching her child. I'm, I'm, I really, if she's, if she's watching. We'll find out later. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody whether she is or not. But, but what are, there are people that will choose to sit home. They'll say, I can worship God at home. Yes, you can. You should every single day. But God commands the church of God to come together, to worship together, to serve together, to help one another. And if you don't, that is sin. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be here for every single time we come together. Sometimes we work. Husbands, why, husbands are supposed to 
work. Men, people are supposed to work to put food on the table, to feed their families, to take care of their families. I understand that. I'm not talking about those people that have to work. Uh, I'm not talking about those people that are sick. I'm talking about those who would rather do something else. I sang a song on, 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 on New Year's. Excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. The devil will supply you from church, you'll stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep God's people from the church, he offers them excuses. A headache Sunday morning, a backache Sunday night. But by work time Monday, I'm feeling quite all right. One of the kids has a cold. Pneumonia, you suppose. So the whole family stays at home to blow the poor kid's nose. Right? We, we make choices. Remember, our choices affect our future. You choose to stay home, you lose out on the blessing of God that you, that you could have received while you were here. And I'm not saying because I preached a wonderful message. Because, listen, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the, the unity that the Spirit of God brings in us as we come together. We can encourage one another. Listen, when one of us is down, we can lift up one another. But we can't if we're not here. And when it's you that is discouraged, and when it's you that is weak, you need someone to come along and bring you up, but you can't. We can't because you're not here, because we can't come alongside you. Simple, step-by-step instructions that God gives us that we need to follow, and the church of God is failing. All of us. As witnesses, as witnesses of God, we are failing. We need to obey. Step one. Step two. Step three. We need to obey the word of God, and God will build upon that foundation of our faith and obedience. It will strengthen us and empower us to do God's will. Simple steps, step by step. It takes simple submission to the word. Simple submission to the word. Remember, the prophet, as he spoke, wasn't giving his opinion. God told Elisha to tell the king, Joash, to pick up the bow, to put his hands on the bow. It took simple submission. Joash said, I am the king. Why should I listen to you? Who are you to tell me what I should do? You say, well, I would never say that to God. You may not say it with your words. But how many times do we say it with our actions? Or maybe it's not just, maybe it's not absolute rebellion to the word of God. Maybe it's just ignorance to the word of God. There's something else to do. There's somewhere else to go. I don't feel like it. I'll get to it when it's time. A million other excuses or reasons why we're, not, why we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. But what it really takes is submission to the word of God. We call him Lord Jesus. How many times have you said the name Lord Jesus? You know what the word name Lord means? Master. Is the Lord Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes, he is. Are you obedient to his word? Because if you're not, if you're not, 
Be careful what you say. Uh, uh, by the way, don't say anything. I'm not asking for answers. But uh, if, if you're not allowing him to be the Lord of your life, that you're obedient to read the word, you're obedient to pray, you're obedient to come, obedient to come and worship together, uh, uh, obedient to, to go out and tell the word about Christ. If you're not being obedient, he's not Lord of your life. And listen, if it's not total submission, it isn't submission at all. Say, well, I go to church, and I do read my Bible, and I do pray. I just struggle telling people about Christ. Listen, that's, that is a simple instruction. Say, well, it's a lot harder than you're saying. Can you talk? Nobody's talking now. But if you have a mouth, and God has given you the ability to communicate, and you're willing to talk about the weather, or you're willing to talk about your favorite TV show, you're willing to talk about anything, but you won't talk about God, guess what? That is not submission. You say, well, I've, I've submitted this part of my life, but you haven't submitted all of it, and God, Jesus Christ gave all his life for you. I just, and let me say this, you don't belong to yourself anyways. You are a purchased possession if you're a child of God. You are his, and you're to do what he's called you and told you to do. Simple submission. What's it mean? It means, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. We just covered... We just covered uh, the Christmas story over looking at several different people. Do you remember Mary? Mary, this young single woman who, uh, who, who's never known a man, and she's, she's engaged to, or espoused to be married. She's, in a, she's got there's a marriage contract. There's a man in her, in her life. She's got a future ahead of her, and the angel comes and says, you're, you're going to have a son. And she goes, how can this be, seeing that I know not a man? And then he told her that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon her and that that which was born in her was going to be born of God. And she said, as you said, let it be. She was submissive. Listen, it was going to change her life. It was going to change her future. It, it, was, going to, it, make, it was going to make a mess of her life. But she said, as, as you say it, listen, that should be our response to the word of God. And listen, God speaks through his word. God also speaks uh, through the Spirit of God in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to see a message written on the wall or have an angel appear unto you, but there are times when the Spirit of God, especially if we're tender to it, will work in our lives and, 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 and lead us to do something, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But, but when that happens, we need to be submitted to the Lord. We need to be, say, yes, Lord, and do it. Simple submission. Next, there's subsequent Staging. Look at verse 16. Verse 15 says, And Elisha said to take bow and arrows, and he took the bow and arrow. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hands, and he said, Open the window. And Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. The, uh, when I say subsequent, say God's preparing him for what he's going to do. He can't shoot out the window unless he picks up the bow. He can't shoot it out the window until he, he notches the arrow. He, got, he can't shoot out the window until he, uh, until he opens the window. All of these things are building upon one another. And it, it was, as, as God did it, he did it one thing after another in, in, God, uh, in the, the right order. Listen, we need to do what God's called us to do in the order that he's called us to do those things. He's never going to call you to be a missionary if you're not, if you're not telling somebody here about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, uh, he's never going to call you to preach if you're not willing to, to, to read the Bible and then share what you've read. He's not going to call you to, to do anything for him if you're not going to do those basic fundamentals first. Uh, and the reason I'm saying this, listen, churches are closing all over this country. Churches are closing in this state. Numbers are dropping. Why is that? 
It isn't because God doesn't care about us and has forgotten us. He's not, uh, somebody, uh, Brother James posted a meme and said uh, about COVID. And it said, uh, it was talking about God. Are you all still alive yet? He hasn't just set us on course and left us. His desire is to use us. His desire is to reach people for Christ. He's long-suffering, but he uses people. But people aren't doing the basic steps. And nobody will, will, will will become a preacher. They'll never be called or even submit to preach if they don't know the benefit and the power of the Word of God by reading it and studying it. There's, it's it's sub, subsequently in our lives. We need the sequential in our life. We need to do the first steps first and follow on and see what God does. Subsequent staging. Subsequent steering. Once you notice the, the next verse, he, verse, uh, verse uh, 16 and he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon, upon it. And Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. Number 17. He said, open the window eastward. He gave him a direction. Notice it started out with just simple steps. Now he's even telling him what to do, where to go, what, or where to shoot the arrow. He says, open the window and aim eastward. Again, one step after the other. Listen, God is not going to leave you wondering what he wants you to do. You do the, the basic steps, and he'll open a door. When I was a young man, I thought that God, that you needed to seek the will of God in your life. That you needed to pray and say, God, please, show me what you want me to do. And, and then God would reveal this great big plan to you that you would know what you would. Man, I wanted to know what I was going to do when I was an adult, when I was 18 years old. I wanted to know who I was going to marry, because I was, well, I was interested in a young lady. And she wasn't the one, by the way. Uh, Praise the Lord. Uh, I was, uh, but I also want to know where I would serve and what I would do. I said, God, I'm willing to do whatever you want. Just tell me. And he says, wait, you're not ready yet. I didn't know. Why? Because it wasn't time. You know, God will open the door when it's time. You know, there's never a place in, those, in Scripture where it says that, that, that God opened up with any single person and told them everything he wanted them to do. Not once. It was always subsequential. David. Was David looking for was David looking for or looking to be king? Nope. He was a young boy in a field. Watching some sheep. Was Paul looking to go to be the first church planter? Nope. He was serving in the church at Antioch for ten years when God called him out. Was Abraham looking to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt? A little bit at first, but then when God actually called him, he wasn't. He was a shepherd up on a mountain. Everybody in Scripture was, was called out of what they were doing, but they were called when they were ready. Moses wasn't ready to, to lead the people out of Egypt until he was up on that mountain. He went from being a rescuer of the people of Egypt when he was in Egypt and he killed that, that, that soldier to, or that slave master uh, to, to being a shepherd who had learned to lead some sheep so he could shepherd the people of Israel. There's a process that, that needs to take place in your life. You don't know what God's going to do in your life? Wait. He will open doors. He will show you what you're supposed to do. But he won't show you that until you do what you're supposed to do first. Lastly, there's a successful shot. Elisha said, pick up the bow. Put your hands on the bow. Open the window. Face eastward. Shoot. And Joash followed each and every step. And he pulled 
I'm going to turn this way because this is. And you look over that arrow. And I want you to see the response of Elisha. You see it here in verse 17. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. And Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou hast consumed them. Wow. Success. He followed what God told him to do. And, and God, God said, you're going to have victory and you're going to consume or destroy the, 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 the Syrian armies. You're going to have great victory. They won't come back. They'll never be a burr under your saddle. They'll never come back to, to haunt you. They'll, they'll be done. It'll be, it'll be finished. It'll be over with. That is success. Now, how many times do you think Joash picked up a bow and arrow and shot it? I don't know how many times he shot it out of a window, but he's done it many times. We, we talked about the, the divine direction and how God directed him to accomplish what he wanted him to accomplish. But uh, it, it doesn't stop here. Not only do we see divine direction, but uh, uh, delivered uh, dynamics. Uh, uh, go back to verse... 16, he said unto the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. He notches the, the, the bow or the arrow onto the bow. He's, he's got it in his hands. Notice what it says next. And, and, he, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. Why? Here's this sick old man who's about ready to die of some illness that's going to kill him. He is weak, he is exhausted, he is tired, uh, and even though he knows he's going to die, uh, uh, he, he, his desire is to, 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 to serve God until the end. Man, I wish there would be some more people who were willing to do that. Serve God to the very end, no matter where it takes you, no matter what you do, just if God wants it, I'm going to do it. Uh, uh, but, but he's going to serve God to the very end. I want you to notice the nature of the act. Did, did he help? Did he help him shoot that bow? Did, did, did Joash need the extra strength to pull the knot? I don't even think he helped him do that. Before he shot the bow, remember, he had to open the window. Uh, he notches the arrow, and uh, Ezra, come here for a second. Come here, Pastor. This is the slowest Joash I've ever seen. All right, so notch an arrow. Okay, so he's, he's prepared to shoot it. Now, he doesn't have a direction yet. He's not actually pulling it back yet, but he's prepared. He could shoot very quickly if he needed to. Elisha comes along, and he puts his hands, just for a minute, on the hands of Joash. He doesn't assist him in shooting it. He doesn't point him. He doesn't even come. He doesn't. It's not one of those moments where you're like, right? It wasn't anything like that. It was signifying the power of God. Listen, Joash has shot that bow so many times that it never meant anything. He knew what to do. It was simple to do. He could probably do it in his sleep. But this time, this shot was going to be more than any other shot that he had ever taken because this shot was going to be the arrow of deliverance. Listen, every child of God we need to follow those simple steps. But before we can do anything for the Lord, before God can use us in ministry, and listen, God desires to use you. God desires for you to, to see, to, to reach people for Christ. God desires some of you maybe, uh, some of these young men to be pastors or missionaries. Some of these young ladies to, to be Christian school teachers or, 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 or missionaries. And listen, you don't know what God could call you to. God desires that for you. But until you do those simple steps 
and then receive the power of God, the hand of God upon your life, you're never going to do it. See, I can get up here and preach. Preaching is just speaking. Now I say that, and I say that with quotation marks, because preaching is declaring the word of God. But I can get up here and I can read and, and preach and declare the word of God, but if the spirit of God is not, now I know he's in me, but if he's not filling me, what am I lacking? The power. See, I can, I can talk, I can do all kinds of things, I can convince your minds, I can, turn, I can work in your thoughts, but listen, the only thing that will change your heart is the spirit of God moving in you. And the only thing that will change somebody else's heart is the Spirit of God moving through you to affect them. You want to serve in ministry? Listen, you Sunday school teachers, man, I thank God for, for our Sunday school teachers, those who take the Word of God. And, listen, you want to really touch the hearts of your children? You really want to see those, those young people saved or those adults saved, Brother, uh, Brother James, Brother Rich, whoever's teaching in the adult class? Listen, you want to see that? You need the Spirit of God. You don't just come with a lesson prepared. You spend time on your knees in prayer saying, God, please help me. I need you. I can't do this on my own. That's what's going to work in the hearts and lives of other people. Say, listen, I don't want to do anything great. You don't have to do anything great. Let God do it through you. Some of the greatest, greatest men of God who served and did something for God are never named. We don't know who they are. Can anybody tell me who D.L. Moody is? How many of you know the name of the person who led him to Christ? It was a Sunday school teacher. If that, if that Sunday school teacher hadn't been filled with the Spirit, and followed the Spirit to the place where D.L. Moody was working in a, in, a, in, a cobbler's, uh, in a cobbler's shop to lead him to Christ on his break. Listen, uh, there would be no D.L. Moody. You would never heard of him. See, we don't all need to be big names. Uh, listen, not everybody was Noah or Moses or, or Joshua, or, but they were all servants of God, and we all need the power of God upon our life. Uh, there's, there was significance uh, uh, in, in the act. There was a necessity of the act. And there's also the number of the act, the order in which it happened. Listen, when we talk about the Spirit of God or being filled with the Spirit, it doesn't happen. It doesn't just happen. Wouldn't it be nice if, if the Spirit of God would just come down and fill all of us? Now, he's in all of us. If you're saved, the Bible tells us the Spirit of God dwells within you. But the Bible also tells every Christian to be filled with the Spirit. So we know that there's a difference. You go back in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, uh, uh, the apostles were filled not just once, but multiple times. There, there need to be a repeated filling of the Spirit. Uh, uh, so, and, and it was with that filling of the Spirit that then they served God. Uh, Peter, being filled with the Spirit, preached at Pentecost. It, it happened over and over and over again. It, it's required, it's, it's necessary, but it comes first after prayer and time in the Word. Go back to it, just pick up the bow. There were some steps that came first. Before he put his hands on, he could have just... Josiah could have walked in, and he could have put his hands on his head, or could have his hand. He could have just told him what the what was going to happen. But listen, what he did was he said, "Pick up the bow, put your hands to it," and then he put his. There was significance to it. We need the Spirit of God if we're going to do anything for God. It's necessary, and we need to prepare ourselves first. You know, if somebody's filled with the Spirit, the hand of God is on somebody. You can tell. 
say, how can you tell? Well, the Bible says that we can tell. Acts chapter 6. If you, if you, uh, if you remember the account, and if, if you don't believe me, you can look it up. Acts chapter 6 uh, is when uh, the church was growing exponentially, and there were widows that weren't being taken care of in the church, uh, some, uh, specifically some Greek widows. And some people were upset about it. They brought it to the, to the attention of the apostles. And the apostles decided that they needed to appoint some deacons uh, to, when I say deacons, we're talking about servants, people to serve tables, uh, uh, people that were to, to serve those, those widows and take care of the things, because the apostles uh, found it more important for them as, as the proclaimers of the word, that they prayed and studied the word, and that somebody else do it. Does anybody remember what the, what the requirements of were for a deacon? What's that? There to be honest? What's that? Well, that's one of them. Fill with the Holy Ghost, that's what I was going for. There were, there, were, there were a couple of them, but one of them was filled with the Holy Ghost. They gave that as a requirement, saying, you guys, the church, is going to appoint the deacons. I want you to appoint people that are honest, of good report. Those are the first two. And the third one is this, filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, if you can't tell by, by, by being around somebody, you can't tell by looking at somebody. right? It's not just by their looks. You know how you tell? How they act. How they respond. It's the Spirit of God working in them. Do you remember the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against us there is no law. Those fruits of the Spirit are evident in their life. So they look at them and they say, this one's filled with the Spirit. We're going to elect him. We're going to choose him. And they chose seven men who were full of the Holy Ghost. Well, if you can tell when somebody is, can't you tell when somebody isn't? Here's a question. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to sit here and pick and say, I think you are and you aren't and you are and you aren't. Though I, I believe there are times when you can tell in certain people's lives. Look at yourself. And you, tell, you, you, you make an honest assessment of your own self. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You spend time in prayer and in preparation for serving the Lord. Do you ask God to prepare you to tell others about Jesus Christ? Oh, listen, if you want to tell somebody about Christ, you need a few things. And one of them is the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And if you're not, by the way, that's disobedience. Because the Bible tells us, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we see the divine direction, the delivered dynamics. Notice the diminished drive. And we know he shot the arrow. But that's not the end of the prophecy. We know that that is the arrow of the, the deliverance. Uh, it's been explained to him by, by Elisha. Uh, there is importance to what you're doing here. Yeah, it's very important. So uh, the next part, he, notice what he says there in verse, verse uh, 18. And he said, take the arrows. Now, there weren't just one arrow. There was multiple arrows. And he says, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said, unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. Now, if you know that the, arrow, the, the arrows that you're shooting happen to be the arrows of deliverance from God, and God says, I want you to strike the ground, or the, and the, the prophet says, I want you to strike the ground. How much do you think you might strike the ground? I'd still be here. <clears throat> Why? Because the more you strike the ground, the more victory you have. 
but he didn't. He struck the ground three times, and he stayed. Three times, and he stayed. There's diminished drive. I want you to notice uh, the limitless command. He says, he said, strike the ground. He didn't say strike it once. He didn't say strike it two times. He didn't say strike it three times. He just said strike the ground. That's an open-ended command. It, it, it leaves room for you to make a judgment call. It, it leaves room for you to make a choice. Josiah had a choice. He chose to strike it three times. You know the word of God gives us a command? Go ye. So we're to, to tell, we're to preach the gospel. It doesn't tell us how many people we're supposed to tell. It doesn't tell us what countries we're supposed to go to. Although it does say all the world, I, we, we can't go individually into all the world. It would take forever. We'd never talk to anybody. Uh, but, but you can go somewhere. You can tell somebody. He gave him a, a command, and it was open-ended. It said, you go, and you strike the ground as many times as you want. And he struck it three times, and he stayed. Now, I don't know why he, he stopped there. Maybe, maybe he thought three times is enough. If we, three times is great victory. Any king that had three victories over another, another nation uh, in a row, man, that's a, that's a king of renown. Three times is enough. Maybe if I told two people this, this week or this year about Jesus Christ, that's enough. Maybe three. Is it? He was allowing his desire to control what he did. He, he was saying, I, I, I think this is enough. Or maybe he says, it's not seem, it's seemly for a king to do this, so uh, I'm just going to tap, tap, tap. Listen, God has all called us all to tell others about Christ. God, listen, it's not just about telling us. Listen, there are ministries that need to be started. There are people that need to be reached. There are churches that need to be pastored. Listen, our world needs Christ. And we're sitting here, tap, tap, tap. That's enough. I don't need to do anymore. I've done my part. Let somebody else do it. Maybe instead of tap, 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 it's tap. There's a diminished drive. He, he didn't have the desire, the, 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 the desire to, uh, to go on and do. Uh, so his limit, limitless command, uh, the lackluster conduct. He only, he only went half in, half-heartedly. Listen, if we're going to serve God half-heartedly and do things half-heartedly, nothing will ever get done for Christ. Can I tell you, if we saw 10 people in here next week because our church went out, I'd say, praise God, it's not enough. Let's go back out. If we had 100 people in here next week, listen, I'd say, praise God for his glory and for his majesty and his mercy. Let's go out because this isn't enough. Say, well, we couldn't fit 100 people in here. We'll have church outside in the snow. I don't care. It ain't enough. Say, well, you're just talking crazy things. The Bible says that, that Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that, uh, that God can do uh, exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Listen, stop shortchanging God. Book of Psalms tells us, open up our mouth wide and he will fill it. I don't know about you, but I'd like to open up my mouth wide for food. Do you trust God to do something? That's enough. Maybe the king said, I've got other things to do that are more important. I'm the king, I've got a country to run. 
you don't know the responsibilities that I carry. You, you don't know oh, what I've got to do. Can I tell you that, that listen, I, I, I love you all, and I appreciate the fact that we have to work jobs to feed, to feed our families and to work. But God is more important than all of those things. And the service of God is more important than all of those things. Now, I know that you can serve God while you work. Amen? You can serve God while you work. Amen? That's better. So you can go to work, and you can, you can work unto the glory and honor of God, and you can be a witness and a testimony to your coworkers and serve God there. Yes. But if you're going to choose the work of God, or not the work of God, if you're going to choose work and your career or, or ball games or whatever else, and that keeps you out of the service of God, I think you've made a mistake. Because one is more important than the other. And the problem today is that we have lowered the importance of those things, of, of, of God, the service of God, the worship of God, and we have exalted the worship of the things of this world. And we will go watch the Super Bowl. No, I don't know of anybody that does that here. I'm not, I'm not pointing to anybody. But there are people that will go and watch the Super Bowl instead of going to church. Record the thing and don't talk to anybody. Stay off the Internet and go home and watch it on. Listen, there, with everything that we've got, you can do something else. His lackluster conduct and this led to a ludicrous cessation. He stopped at three. If you knew that God, was, that God would bless and God was going to use this and change the history, uh, that, that was, then you, you would do something. Listen, if you knew that you were going to knock on somebody's door and they were going to get saved and that person was going to be the next pastor of this church or that person was going to become a missionary and lead hundreds or thousands to Christ or that person was going to, 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 to give their life and, and, and possibly be the one to lead one of your kids to Christ, man, you'd go knock on that door fast, wouldn't you? I want you to know. The problem is we don't know the future. And we don't know what's going to happen. God does. But what God has done is he told Josiah to strike the ground. And Josiah stopped at three. God has told us to go and tell the world. And we stopped at three. It was ludicrous that he stopped. As we, have the, we have the benefit of, of hindsight. Right? Hindsight's 2020. We can see what he lost. But we can't see what we've lost, can we? We can't see the numbers of people that aren't in these pews because we didn't tell them about Christ. We can't see the numbers of people who are now dead in hell because we didn't tell them about Christ. We just know we stopped. There's a deserved disapproval. Elisha is angry. You see it there in verse, in verse, uh, verse 19. The man of God was wroth with him. It's a righteous anger. Because he knew what the outcome was going to be because God had told him. Remember, he is the, the, the one who was bringing the word of God. He understood that the, the, the number of times that he struck that ground was going to be the number of times that, that they had victory. But he also knew that the number of times that he didn't strike the ground, the limited, that limited obedience was going to mean that they were going to have less victory. And in fact, Syria was not going to be destroyed or consumed and would rise up again and haunt them. He was angry. He said, you should have struck it five or six times. 
and had total victory, but instead you struck it three times. Listen, God is angry at us. We go about our lives thinking God is happy with us because we're not sinning. We're not, we're not committing adultery, and we're not committing murder, and we're not lying to everybody. But listen, God has told us that he has called us to tell others about Jesus Christ. You don't save people, and I don't save people, but God uses us to get the gospel to the lost so that he can save people. But if we don't do it, can I tell you this? What happens is God looks down at us, and he sees our disobedience, he sees our lackluster desire, and he's angry. He's sick and tired of the disobedience of his people and say, I'm, be, I'm a good Christian. How good are we? I don't know about you. I know about me. And God is angry at me. The Bible says if judgment's going to happen, it's going to happen first in the house of God. Elisha was right to be angry. And he reveals to us the ruin and advantage. He says, you should have struck it five or six times because God would have done this. We don't know what God would do if we would put our all into everything, but we don't. We, we hold back. We, we give our reasons and our excuses, but we hold back, and God is limited in what he can do. How many more times would God have blessed the people of Israel? But the Bible says, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that he limited, or that they, that they limited God because of their sin, because of their lack of faith. How much is our lack of faith? How much, is, how much is our lack of obedience to God limiting what God could do? How big would our church be? Now listen, I'm not worried about the size of our church. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Uh, it's not about numbers. Uh, uh, but but how, how would the, the kingdom of God be affected if we gave ourselves all to Christ instead of giving ourselves all to whatever's on television or all to whatever's on Facebook, or all to whatever is, uh, is consuming our lives and keeping us away from the things of God. There's a diminished distinction. He says, the man of God is wroth with him and said, thou shouldest have smitten Syria, till thou hast consumed it. Now notice the word whereas. The word whereas means this. Because you chose to do this, this is the result. Our choices affect the future. See, but God's in control, and God uses us. Your choices whether or not you choose to come to church, whether or not you choose to read your Bible, whether or not you choose to read uh, to, to pray, whether or not you choose to share the Word of God, whether or not you choose to study the Word of God, whether or not you choose to submit yourself to the Word of God, that affects your life. It affects what God can do in you and through you. And you say, hey, I'm happy where I'm at. I am sad for you. We just went through studying the book of Ephesians and it says that we are to be the, the praise to His glory. How do we do that? By becoming like Christ. So we allow the word of God to affect us. We, we, we strive to serve God. We strive to be holy. Even though we know that we're not going to achieve it, we're going to strive for it to bring honor and glory to his name. We strive to tell others about Christ because that was his main goal while he was here on this earth. Not to, to heal, not to feed, not to, to raise people from the dead, but, but to tell people about himself and to die on the cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That was his goal. 
and he was about his father's business, according to Jesus in John chapter 4 and in, and in the book of Luke. He had meat to know. Can I ask, what's your business? What's your desire? What have you spent the last year, two years doing? We've all been, all been afraid of COVID and all the things that are going on. And listen, I'm not saying that COVID isn't dangerous. My mom almost died from it. Listen, what I'm saying is that we allow the world, we allow uh, the circumstances to control us. We allow our fears to, con con to control us. We allow our own flesh to control us. But we don't allow the Spirit of God to lead us and to guide us and to bring honor and glory to his name and to tell others about Christ. So many people, listen, I did it myself. Stop knocking on doors because I was afraid that, that people would be offended that I was out sharing the gospel because COVID. Guess what? I didn't get to lead anybody to the Lord because I knocked on the door because I didn't get to tell anybody because I let the fear of God, the fear of COVID keep me from it and the fear of what other people thought. But can I tell you, God didn't say, Go ye into all the world until 2020. And then stay at home. And then in 2022, go out. No, he said, or he didn't say wait to the end of the pandemic. He said, go. Listen, I'm not saying you go around coughing everybody's faces. I'm not saying you get up in the personal space. But God gives us opportunities if we are willing and if we're obedient and if we've been prepared by reading our Bible and studying and praying and, and asking God to fill us. Listen, God will use us to bring honor and glory to his name, but more importantly, most of, well, that is most important, we'll do that by leading people to Christ. And even if we don't see anybody saved, we were obedient in doing it. And that brings honor and glory to his name, and he'll bless that. There was a reckoning. What's the reckoning? They had victory. They went out three, they went out and had three victories over Syria. Man, Syria got beat down and beat down and beat down. You ever been to a football game? How many of y'all remember the Super Bowl a few years ago? Remember the one Tom Brady came back from? Man, that first quarter, they got their teeth kicked in. The second quarter, they got their hind end kicked. The third quarter, man, they, they, they were on the ground, and the other team was just around them. Now, this isn't actually how the game was played. But you remember, you remember they, they were down. What was the score, Brother James? 28 to 3. And not only into the last quarter, the fourth quarter, uh, uh, to the very end of the fourth quarter. It was, oh. How many of you watched that game? I did. And if you didn't watch it, you probably heard about it from somebody. And if you don't, if you don't watch sports, uh, in that last quarter, they went from three to, what was the end, end? They won. And they won handily. What happened? The game's not over until it's over. Joash led the, the, the people of Syria. or Joash went out against the people of Syria. Man, that first quarter, they took them on. They kicked their teeth in. That second quarter, they were stomping them in the ground. That third quarter, that third battle, man, they, they were victorious. In the fourth battle, the Syrian army came out, and they were sore. They were beaten up. They were bloody. They were discouraged. But they rose up, and they had victory. And the people of Israel suffered defeat. And can I tell you, when the people of Israel suffered defeat, we're not talking about they went home uh, with limping. And, listen, people died. It was war. There were swords. There were uh, 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 people died. Joash's decision 
affected Israel for years to come. It affected people's lives. Listen, your decisions don't just affect you. Your decisions affect all those around you. They affect my kids when they see you not coming to church. They say, why haven't we seen so-and-so for a few weeks? I don't know, buddy, we're praying for them. They see you when you, when, when you talk about sinful things. They, they overhear those things. We talk about sinful things like, like they're nothing, like they're okay. And they say, Daddy, why are they talking like that? I thought they were Christians. They're watching you. But it's not just my kids that are watching you. All the kids here in our church are watching you. They see when the numbers are down, when there are more kids here than there are adults. They say, why is that? Well, some people are sick, and some people decided to stay home. I don't know your reasons or excuses, and I'm not trying to... We can't change the past. It doesn't matter why we didn't come to church. It doesn't matter why we didn't tell people about Christ. It doesn't matter why we, why we went six months without picking up our Bible other than to bring it to church or pretend like we, like we were spiritual. It doesn't matter that, we, that we, we would ask other people to pray for things, but we would never actually pray for ourselves. Listen, those things don't matter. We can't, we can't change what we've done. But what we can do is choose today to set the direction of our life to bring honor and glory to God. We can point out that east window and realize that this is the arrow of deliverance. And we can put our all into serving Christ instead of holding back and say, I can't do it. There is a reckoning. It affects not just you, but all those that are around you. This is 2022. It is the very first Sunday of the year. I'm grateful and thankful, and I praise God that you're all here. I don't know the decisions that you've made this last year. I don't know how many of you have witnessed and how many of you have not. I don't know how many of you have read your Bible or how many of you have pretended to read your Bible. I don't know how many have been praying or haven't been praying. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I can't tell those things. I, I, I don't know the decisions that you have made in the past, but I'm, I, I am pleading with you that, that today that you make a choice. The Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not sin against God. And when he did that, he faced opposition. You are going to face opposition if you choose to make a choice. I'm not talking about uh, setting some New Year's resolution where you're, I'm going to read my Bible every day. No, I'm talking about being resolved to do what God has called you to do. Those simple tasks that he, that he is, desires and, and requires of every single one of us that we're resolved to do what he has called us to do. That we're resolved to allow him to fill us with power. So I don't know how to do that. You, you seek forgiveness of sin. You make sure that your life is aligned with the word of God. And if it, if it isn't, you ask God to reveal to you what is wrong in your life. David says, David asked the Lord to seek. Seek in him. And then what you do is you pray and ask God to fill you with the Spirit. And when he does, you submit to the power of the Spirit. The Word of God and the Spirit of God will work together. You will not be filled with the Word of God unless you're reading, or filled with the Spirit of God unless you're reading the Word of God. You will not be filled with the Spirit of God until you're submissive to the, to the Word of God. But if you're filled with the Spirit of God, you can have 
greater victory than you have ever known. God can do more in your life and through you. You can see people saved. Uh, listen, it may not, it won't, I'm not saying it's going to be some miraculous the tongues of fire coming from heaven. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not declaring that kind of thing. I'm declaring that God is still in the, in, in, in the business of working through people. God, the power of the gospel is still strong and real. The power to change your life is still there if you just are obedient to the word of God and you trust him to do it. And you obey. This morning, just like that arrow is launched, Point in the direction that God would have you to go. God gave him the, the direction, do you not? And set your life on that course. So here's the problem with most of us. We don't actually aim for anything. We live every day as a brand new day. Now, listen, there's benefit to living every day as a brand new day. Because we can't change yesterday. And we can see forgiveness, and we can readjust our course. However, if we don't aim at anything, you're never going to hit anything. You'll hit exactly what you're aiming at. So today, I'm not saying make a vow or a promise. Say, God, I'll be a missionary. God, I'll be a pastor. God, I'm going to read my Bible. every. Listen, because the Bible says that if you make a vow, you better keep it. But what I am saying is ask God to give you the strength to be obedient to the word of God, to, to be obedient to those simple steps, and that God will lead you and direct you in your life and use you for the furtherance of the gospel to see people saved and to bring honor and glory to his name. And I can guarantee you this, that God wants to use every single person that's saved in here for that purpose. It isn't somebody else. It's for you. It's for me. It's for James and, and Jess and... and you're not Emily. Stephanie, for Carrie, for Frank, Robin, for every single one of us. If, you, if I didn't say your name, it's because I didn't point to you. It means nothing. Listen, it's for all of us. If we're willing. Father God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this 